Hello again, everybody. This is Brandon Cruz, and this is Submitted for Your Approval, a Twilight Zone podcast. And with me again, in the in the span of three weeks, under three weeks, we have the wonderful Matt Ramo. Welcome back, Matt. Thank you again for having me, sir. No, it's 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 so good to have you back. Uh, you know, it's it's good to have a director here on on Submitted for Your Approval. Uh, that's what that's what they tell me uh, that I am. Yes. So many people have have written in and they're like, "Oh, we love this guy." <laughs> well, that's nice. Uh, I've gotten a lot of uh, stalking on Facebook. So <laughs> yeah, the, that ep- that last episode I did must have really um, struck a chord. Yeah, re- resonated uh, with a silk yes. with a silk stockings crowd. <laughs> Which by- the TV show or the people who wear it, <laughs> the creators of silk stockings. Oh right. Okay. Great. 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 Uh, that 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 show. I don't know. That that show came out in a time. We'll we'll get back into this show in a minute. But that that show yeah. came out at a time where I was a young, thirteen year old, mm-hmm. and it was followed by Ronda Shears up on up all night. Oh uh, yes. Yeah. But whew, silk stockings. All right. Yep. Good times anyway. Here. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, we're here today to talk about. The Hitchhiker, episode 16, uh, originally aired January 2nd, 1960. It stars the great Inger Stevens, Inger Stevens, uh, as, Na- uh, sure. as Nan Adams, and Leonard Strong as the titular hick- Hitchhiker. <laughs> I said Hickhiker. Uh, okay. Hitchhiker is probably more appropriate than Hickhiker. You know, the episode's titled The Hitchhiker, probably. <laughs> uh, it was directed by Alvin Ganser. Uh, the the teleplay was by Rod Serling, but it's originally based off of a radio play uh, by a Lucille Fletcher, who was married to mm-hmm. the great Bernard Herrmann. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll get into a little bit of trivia there in a little bit. Uh, but uh, let's you're let's hop right into it. Sure. So the the episode starts. Uh, Nan is on the side of the road with a mechanic next to her car, and he he's fixing the the car. He's uh, he basically describing how she ran off the road and, and blew a tire, and so he's he's coming to save the day. And he he says a, a few things that I'll I'll bring up after the fact um, that are very foreshadowing ish. Um, and so he fixes the car, and she sees a hitchhiker, a, a guy with a nice little fedora type hat it's kind of creepy she's like oh well ignore that guy i'll just drive off and she she drives off she gets to uh the actual mechanic station and she sees him again like okay weirded out she keeps driving um and she stops off uh, she sees him wherever she goes this this hitchhiker is always in uh in front of her always beckoning her as she says later uh and she stops off in a restaurant and she talks to the restaurateur. She says, "Do you get, do you get many hitchhikers around here?" And he's he's doing his own business, and this is kind of kind of weirding me out. Uh, he's doing his thing, like clean up the plates, and then he like stops and gets really in close to her. He's like, "Hitchhikers? We don't have no hitchhikers here." And then he goes on to explain step by step exactly why there wouldn't be hitchhikers on this turnpike. Um, like, guy, we j- it was a simple yes or no. Do you, yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, so so she so she drives off, um, and she gets eventually to a a train track, and 
she she sees a hitchhiker on the other side of the train track and so she wants to drive drive past him but she gets stuck she gets stuck on the train track and there's a train coming at her oh here's it comes a train that doesn't make that stupid <laughs> sound but here comes a train uh uh and, and she goes in reverse right as the train's about to hit her and that's about the time she realizes oh no like this guy this hitchhiker wants to kill me um and so she drives for four days four nights only stops to eat she doesn't sleep and she gets to a she runs out of gas she gets to like a kind of a band it's not abandoned but a closed maintenance shop like a gas station so she runs up she runs up to the 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 house the store owner is like i'm sleeping it's it's <laughs> 11 o'clock we closed two hours ago crazy crazy lady uh and then a sailor a navy guy shows up out of nowhere and he's like hey ma'am let's uh, if you drive me to san diego we're good uh, so they they wake that guy up the the store owner again they get gas and they start driving off uh, the Navy guy who's super creeper, he's, he's in the car, uh, and Nan sees the hitchhiker up ahead. So she swerves to kind of try to hit him. Navy guy's like, Hey, uh, what was that? She's like, you didn't see, you didn't see the hit. You didn't see that guy standing on the side of the road. Like, no, I don't know what you're talking about lady. She sees a hitchhiker again, swerves again to try to hit him. And the Navy guy's like, I'm not having this. So he makes her stop the car and, uh, she tries to seduce him a little bit. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Really awkward. Yeah. Really, really awkward. Uh, and to his credit, he's like, not, no, no way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I know, I know a few Navy guys who'd be like, yeah, she's crazy, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, she is pretty for what it's worth. She's, she's very pretty. Yeah. He's, he's got the, he's got the willpower. I, I'm telling you, he's smart decision, this guy. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, so, so the Navy guy runs off. She drives over to a, a payphone, and she calls her mom. She wants to talk to her mom. She calls up. A lady answers the phone. That's not her mom. And she's like, this is her daughter. Where is she? The lady on the other line says, she's at a mental hospital. She had a nervous breakdown. Her daughter, Nan, died nine days ago up in Pittsburgh and Nan all of a sudden realizes she becomes cold and she's like, Oh, I sense everything now. And she realizes that she is in fact dead and we don't know exactly who the hitchhiker is, but she gets back in the car, a motionless uh, face and he's in the back seat and he says, I believe you're going my way. And End of scene. Yep. She's dead, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Spoiler alert. (laughs) Not sure if you caught that. (laughs) Maybe we should have started the episode with spoiler alert. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. Ah, well. Uh, She's dead. Foreshadowing, she's dead. Uh, And uh, so I mentioned the... uh, We'll we'll get into it. First of all... Yes. There's a lot of things I want to tackle with this episode. Go go ahead and start. What are your thoughts? Um, All right. Well, about the particular episode, I I won't deal with the... Oh, heavy-handed misogyny, but we'll we'll deal with the episode first. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is another episode. Uh, I think when I was on last, I talked about uh the third from the sun, and it's it's a very um not so famous episode, uh in my opinion at least. So this is another episode that that kind of falls into that uh same category for me. Um, mm-hmm. I mentioned 
they used to run a uh, 24, 48 hour Twilight Zone marathon. And I, I don't remember really seeing this, but of course, upon rewatching you, you know, with a different set of eyes and a different kind of, I guess, station in life. Uh, it, it's a great episode. It does a lot of things right. And, um, you know, it, you can very easily sit here and, and say it's akin to uh, something like The Sixth Sense, where, you know, the Bruce Willis character, spoiler alert, Spo- is, uh, <laughs> yeah. hang on, fast forward a couple minutes if you haven't seen it yet, um, <laughs> where the Bruce Willis character eventually, uh, it's known that he has actually expired. Whoa, um, hey, so he's dead. I, I told him he's, fast He's yeah. dead in that? Oh, well, you should have fast forwarded, Brandon. <laughs> I would have been talking to myself for a few minutes. Um, no, but more seriously, uh, it, it does a lot of things right, especially um, kind of keeping that uh, under wraps that she's she actually perished in the very, very beginning of the episode. Um, but I think you uh, you said you wanted to touch on some of the things that the mechanic says, and, and I think I'm just going to go ahead and steal your thunder. I think one of the first noticeable lines of dialogue is son of a the bitch. mechanic... <laughs> you don't even know my mother, sir. Um, he says you should have you shouldn't have called for a mechanic. Somebody should have called for a hearse. And like you know, if if this is your first time watching it, sorry, but if this is your first time watching, you kind of like laugh and you're thinking like, oh, nineteen sixty dialogue. But yeah, you know, when it all gets revealed, you kind of say, oh. Um, yeah, he he says that, but he also says uh, before that. Lady, you're on the side of the angels. Yes, yes. That's that. Oh, uh, you know, I wrote that in my notes. Look at us. <laughs> look at us. I've been in sinking. <laughs> Tag team back again. Hell yeah. <laughs> Don't. No, no. I know not, the words. Don't. I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, he says, Lady, you're on the side of the angels. And, and just before that, I think uh, he talks about how bad the accident was. He says, So you're traveling 60, 65 miles per hour, the tire blows out. Guardrails made of gravy or ice cream or something. Some food. he must be hungry, but he said this, um, right? So he basically paints the picture that like ninety five percent of people would not have walked away from this accident. So now you think, oh, she's super lucky, and then of course yeah. this, uh, I think she calls him a shabby man, starts appearing, and so you know you start to get that general creep vibe, and I think they do that well too with him just appearing everywhere. And there's this great part. Right after, um, so the mechanic tells her, follow me to the garage. You know, they'll run the bill or whatever. Yeah. She gets rung up. She uh, sees the guy or she asks about the guy or something. And then she drives off. And then you're watching the tail uh, lights, you know, drive off the license plate, the whole nine. And here is the hitchhiker. And he literally just, his whole Fred head comes into frame. And he almost breaks the fourth wall by like looking right at the viewer. And then, yeah. like, looks around casually. <laughs> it's so jarring and, like, funny at the same time. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> and, he, and he looks so genial, too. Like, yeah, like, yeah. Just, what, this, hmm. What's wrong with him? He seems like a nice guy. Why is she running from him? I don't understand. <laughs> um, but I think, um, I think, I definitely think they do a great job just placing him in, in you know, just, like, just almost, like, if, I feel like if you were Nan driving, you would be seeing him just out of the corner of your eye, almost to the level of like, was he really there? Is it was in my head? And so they do a great job of really just playing on that, like um, that fear, not uh, yes, fear to an extent that like, uh, that did I, no, I, it must be my imagination. Right. Yeah. 
it's <clears throat> it's weird that uh, no, I won't say it's weird. It's interesting with the whole like you don't know she's she's dead the entire episode, and I think they they use the um the other characters like the mechanic and the uh the restaurant tour <laughs> uh the yeah. you know the, the waiter um the navy guy they use those as they see look she's to kind of throw you off the scent that that she's in fact dead and like who is this hitchhiker what is happening right cuz we know that the hitchhiker is showing up magically in front of her every time what does that mean to sure, us? Sure, there's some what yeah, what what is it about him cuz clearly it's him and not anyone else. Exactly. Exactly. Uh it's almost like a weird uh, uh a, a take on like a ghost ship, you know. Yes. Uh so so here's a here's a thing I want want to bring up and we could talk about the misogyny a little bit. <laughs> uh so so Fletcher originally wrote this story, uh, and the character was a man in in the original story. Mm-hmm. So Nan was Nan was a man, right? <laughs> uh, so so I wanna I wanna start with that and and see where we go. What do you think that changing that Rod Serling changing Nan to a woman for this this episode helps or or takes away from the the drama of the of the show of the story let's say you know that's a really really interesting question and um i'm not i'm not sure my my gut wants to say like by uh rod changing the main protagonist to a female might um i think it might resonate more with a 1960s audience um Mm. and sadly my my uh, argument for it is going to probably be very heavy-handed and misogyny (laughs) now i just want to preface it on that's not who i am um but you think about 1960s america and it's still coming from the 50s where the you know this leave it to beaver kind of mom's at home cooking roast and dad's out working hard and stuff um i feel like 1960 we start to get in you know the early 60s we start to see more of a you know we have the civil rights movement we have uh women fighting for equal I mean women are still fighting for equal rights yeah. to this day but you know it's definitely very much underway and so uh you know women are striking out into the world on their own and so I think I think by Rod maybe being uh I I guess visionary is the only word I can come up with for it to to have the foresight to see like you know yeah women are you know really trying to get a foothold in the world they're really trying to put their themselves out there and be equals with men so you here you have this character this uh nan adams and she's her journey is supposed to be almost essentially from coast to coast i think she says she lives in new york new york city or something yeah. she's trying to get to the, the left coast los angeles yeah. so yeah los angeles right um and here she is she's a young like 27 year old woman i think and she's like traveling completely by herself and <laughs> you know for what it's worth, at some point, let's let's scratch the actual um, terror that is the hitchhiker. Yeah. But she picks up like some random navy officer. <laughs> you know, like for just just for five seconds, let's forget that this is a Twilight Zone episode and let's think about this grounded in reality. Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> you just picked up a naval officer who 
you know, may or may, he might just be wearing some guy's Navy outfit that he killed in a, in a, a road stop. You know what I'm saying? You yeah. just don't know. Six little chipmunks so, sitting on a branch eating sunflower uh, seeds. It's, there you go. <laughs> from like something about Marion. Yeah, right. You just never know. And so now let's bring it back to the Twilight Zone. You know, Rod Serling, Make It in a Woman, I think, uh, I think it lends itself to the terror that is instilled in Nan, um, you know, upon seeing this hitchhiker over and over and over again. So I think, um, I think it may have resonated more with female, the female half of the audience. You know, at that time, a lot of stuff was definitely geared towards men. So, you know, I think there's an adage in like um, modern Hollywood, if you make like a superhero film, there has to be like a, a love interest to get the, the girls because guys are going to drag their girlfriends. That's the thought process, oh. you know, which is why like Thor has uh, <laughs> Natalie Portman, you know, I, yeah. I can't think of a Thor comic really where na- that character is as massive perhaps, but and, you know, yeah, and why Deadpool has Anara uh, from Serenity, Firefly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean it, but I think, but I think it, it might. I'll say that it's foresight on Rod Serling's part to do that. I know I read somewhere that um, uh, Lucille Fletcher, the uh, author of the original radio play, uh, actually wasn't too happy with that. No, she, she didn't, didn't like that he changed it. Um, but I think uh, having never heard the original radio play, I think, uh, I think it's a, I think it's a, a stellar job. I think it was, I think it was done really well. He, I think it, I think by switching the woman, it definitely switching the main character to a woman. I think he definitely, um, it lends to the terror of, of this hitchhiker. Yeah. And the it, situation. Changing, changing it to the woman gives it that extra sense of vulnerability, I guess. Yes. Um, it, like. Chelsea and I will watch will watch movies uh, a, a lot, and whenever mm-hmm. like there's a female character and she's being preyed upon by somebody, uh, a male, she's sure. like, "God, men are such assholes." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it definitely you you said the right word, and I'm actually a little upset that I I didn't throw it in my spiel was the vulnerability. Like, uh, you know, there's so much emphasis on men being masculine and women being feminine, and like. Oh, delicate flowers. And, you know, like I said, here's this woman who just is going to travel from the East Coast to the West Coast completely by herself. Yeah. Um, and so you mentioned this thing about, okay, she doesn't pick up this hitchhiker, but she more than willingly takes this Navy guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Who's like uh, half the hitchhiker's age, like probably ready, willing, and able. You know, the hitchhiker, she might have been, if she picked him up, she may have been able to overpower him. <laughs> If yeah. it was a test of physical strength, you know what I mean? Just like like an elbow to the face, and the guy's like, all right, uh, not worth it. <laughs> uh, this is my stop. <laughs> uh, but, like, that, that Navy dude is so... First of all, I, I don't know if this is how cars were back then, but he's, like, so close to her inside that the, the I'm, car. I wanted to touch on that, too, uh, but we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah, he's, like, right on top of her. Uh, you know, and he, he's just, you know, his face is right there in, in her face and he's being real, really creepy. Like uh, I hadn't seen the episode in a while. And so I was like, mm-hmm. wait, does he, does he try to do something with her? And she kicks him out because it, it, it gave that vibe that he was going to rape her. Right. Like, or, or no, like, absolutely. Come on to- Cause he says something like, uh, oh, you know, the boys at the base aren't going to believe me. And she's like, oh, I'll write you an affidavit and we'll get it notarized. 
because he, he says something like he's like uh, he makes a compliment about he compliments her about her looks that she's pretty or no one as pretty as her yeah yeah what have you yeah it's 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 so odd um uh, how all the characters that she meets are are all men right and uh it, it feels like a very uh what's what's the word uh very intentional decision to be like okay she's surrounded by all these these men uh this this woman in a man's world almost right like how mm-hmm. how how alone she is and how she really can't you know can't really trust anybody and chelsea <laughs> god i feel like it's her podcast too sometimes uh <laughs> She said at the very beginning, and she was kind of joking about it, but serious, how there was like a sexual tension between her and the mechanic at at the beginning. <laughs> right? Uh, All right. Uh, uh, and, you know, I, I can't I can't fault her because that's her perspective as, as a woman. Uh, sure. But, you know, so, you know, I wonder, I wonder, and maybe two men talking about this aren't isn't the right avenue, but I wonder if there's Perhaps. something to be said a, about that. Uh, if there's a, another subtext about, um, you know, sexual relations in, in, in the show, but again, well, well, why not? I mean, again, I, I, I hate to keep repeating it, but it is, he is a woman by herself on the road, Yeah, you know? And I, I feel like, uh, you know, I feel like, uh, it's an open door a certain type of man to say like, Oh, all right, well, I'm just going to throw myself at her and we'll see what happens. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I will say that I feel her sense of, uh, un being unsettled really by that last, last shot uh, of the, the episode where she, she gets in the car and she flips that rear view mirror down and mm-hmm. just his, his face is just partially, ex- uh, in view and it, you know he mm-hmm. says i believe you're going my way i watched that this morning before we were recorded and like mm-hmm. i'd seen it I'd, I'd watched the episode like two or three times in the last couple of days and that scene still gives me uh chills like i feel disconcerted every time i watch that like she's dead we don't know who this guy is we don't know if he's death or or what he represents but i just i feel unsettled whenever that happens um, I can, I can absolutely see that. Uh, my take on his character is that he is death personified. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like that idea, especially as a writer. I like, I like doing things like that. The Twilight Zone is a, is a very big, um, inspiration for my own writing. Mm-hmm. And I always look to it like, because you know, I, I, it stands the test of time. This show. I mean, here we are, something like uh, sixty, seventy years later, still talking about it, and and not and not in a bad light either. We may joke, but you know, the stuff we have to say is genuinely praise. So I I agree with you that that final sequence. Um, yeah, I believe you're going my way. I think it. I think what it, it culminates. It's definitely a culmination of like her realization that she's dead. That whole part where she says. Uh, now I don't feel anything or uh, I'm a uh, sudden cool, whatever has run over me. And she's now just kind of accepting and floating. And it's just like, oh, man, he was death. He was just trying to help her. <laughs> right. You know, uh, but it, it definitely I can absolutely see that. It definitely is a little unsettling. It's 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 kind of weird because 
you know, it doesn't, yeah, he's, he's, she's going his way, but that doesn't, like, she's so robotic at the end there, and maybe they're trying to have her come off as just, like, she's just, she's just calm now, she doesn't feel anything, she's just going with emotions, but there's something unsettling to me, I think, about, like, if we die, and we accept our death, that we just, we are zombified, almost. And this <laughs> and this this creepy dude in the back seat of our our car, uh, you know, even though is is death really helping? I don't know. He, he does. He's ambiguous well, you know, on whether he's he's friendly or not, right? <clears throat> I I'd like to think that he's friendly. I mean, we <laughs> joked about earlier is him being very genial. He yeah. doesn't really ever have like a malicious intent, I suppose. Not that he's given the opportunity to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, he's always just kind of there, and I, I feel like he's just happy to be there. <laughs> if if <laughs> if that were a thing to give a character, but like the one of the things that I don't agree with uh, with Nan, and and th- I guess this is just her human brain attempting to rationalize what just happened, because in moments of trauma, you know, your your brain can't wrap itself around the incident, so you just kind of jump to these conclusions and make these connections. The sequence where she gets stuck on the train tracks. Yeah. Um, beforehand, I think it's the closest he ever gets to her until the end where he's in the back seat and he leans in and he says, Are you heading west? And she's like, Uh no, she stopped in traffic. Uh no, 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 I'm not heading west. And she just dips out of that like whatever detour traffic stop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then she ends up getting stuck on she sees him again and she I, either she tries to gun it for him or get away from him and she sticks to the tracks. And then once she escapes she says, like, he's trying to kill me. He's trying to get me to kill myself. Yeah. And, like, I I mean, obviously, it's her. I, I think it's her brain, but I don't agree. I think he's a very just kind of, you know, guy that's there. And he's just like, hey, just, you know, just come with me. Everything will be all right. No, no, just just come on. Just accept your but not in that. Yeah, not in that weird I have candy in my van sort of way. Just like, <laughs> it's going to be nice where we're going, I promise. Death. Death's <laughs> such a pervert sometimes. <laughs> Curve <laughs> uh, in a gray suit. <laughs> I'm glad you brought up the the train tracks again. Uh, yeah, because there's there's a part of me that you know after you watch the episode after you know she's dead, um, there's that the whole train track sequence is very suspenseful. Uh, mm-hmm. And you're like, oh no, is is she gonna is she gonna pull back? You know, uh, is she gonna get out out of the way of the train in time? And even though you know she's dead. It's still, it's still an effective scene, but I, I, there's a part of me that has a problem with it saying like, well, but she is dead as a viewer. We know she's dead now up, up right. on rewatch. Right. Um, sure. so, but it, but it still works. It still works every time. Um, and I think that has to do with, uh, the, the camera right there, like, uh, with the camera being so close to the train as it, as it passes. Right. Oh yeah, fantastic job by the cinematographer, by the way. Yeah, evidently they were going to put that camera on the tracks itself, and then yeah, then, then pull away at the like the last minute, and You're they right they they realize how fast the train is, <laughs> so yeah, like, <laughs> like you know what, better you know what, boys, this this may be a bad idea. <laughs> you see, uh, you see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I know we talked about, uh, so we're talking about the camera, and we've talked about your your directing before. Uh, what would you yes. what you think of the episode, directive wise? Uh, absolutely fantastic. It's uh, I think it's a great 
I think it's a great example of storytelling. Um, and, and I think you can really kind of pick out of a, a hat an episode of The Twilight Zone, and it'll be great storytelling. Uh, again, one of the main reasons why I think The Twilight Zone uh, stands the test of time. Um, as far as the episode in, in general, it's great, uh, great camera work because I think as the episode progresses and as uh, Nan Adams starts to feel the pressure uh, mentally of this hitchhiker and she starts, you know, she does it through inner monologue. She talks about how she starts to feel this fear. You know, it, it, it's not pressing, but who is this guy? Why is he here? Why do I always see him? How is it that he's always 50 uh, uh, miles in front of me? I just passed him in that town. How is he in front of me? So um, it does a, they do a great job of putting the audience in the driver's seat, pun intended. Um, <laughs> so as, as she gets more frantic, uh, and especially down the line when, um, when she picks up the naval officer, we joked about how like on top of her basically he is. But I think that's a brilliant, um, I think it's a brilliant shot because the bulk of the story and the mainstay of the story is her cross-country traveling in her car. Yeah. And then when she talks about how she's been traveling three, four days, three, four nights, only stopping to eat, she lives in this car, right? She doesn't even, I don't, she doesn't even make mention of like stopping at a hotel to sleep. So no. her whole world is the cabin of this car. So when the hit, when the, uh, the naval officer gets in and he's on top of her, I think it shows how claustrophobic that car can be. You know, you and I will take a ride. What will we may be in our car for an hour, hour and a half max, maybe, unless we're going on like a real road trip. Yeah. But if you've ever been in a car for six, seven hours, what once was a spacious back seat is all of a sudden like you're sitting in a kindergarten chair, just like, <laughs> get me out of this thing. And I think it's I think it's absolutely brilliant that they put him so close to her. And this the the parts where he's talking about how the boys won't believe him he's asking her like what the hell did you just do and she tells him she tried to run someone over it did these tight close-ups but they see these two shots so now you're in this intimate conversation yeah uh, it's it's just done really really well and then finally i think there's a lot to be said for that final final scene where she gets in she's kind of catatonic almost yeah uh the she moves the rear view and there's our death personified per se uh in the back seat so i like it because essentially if it is in fact intended that that's death, death is there's this thought that death is always lurking around every corner. It's over our shoulder, and this in fact, literal translation, death is over her shoulder, <laughs> waiting for her. I, I think it's I think it was uh, very well put together. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, I just I had to just really really quickly touch on the actual level of misogyny that I, oh, that oh. made me laugh out loud. Of course, was when she when she goes to the uh, closed up gas station in. Uh, I think it's like New Mexico or something. <laughs> she, the guy comes and he, you know, he, she bangs on the window. The guy comes out and he's like, well, what do you want? He, she explains the whole situation and she explains that there's a guy following her. And he says something to the extent of like, uh, she's like, oh, this is man following. She's like, what's he doing? And he's like, I oh, just there. And he's like, that's no reason to wake a man up in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't help but laugh and like pause the episode and just think, Oh, 1960. <laughs> oh, there you go again. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and immediately after, like, uh, he closes the window window on her, the Navy guy comes, shows up, and he's like, well, yeah. let's let's wake him up then. Like, <laughs> like 
you need a man to <laughs> to help you out with right. this. Your weak will and constitution couldn't get you gas. Let me do it, you know? Uh, quit whining. I'll show you how to get, get gas from a <laughs> Show you how a man does it. <laughs> uh, Terro- it's so terrible. <laughs> uh, overall, we laugh about it, but... Yeah. Overall, man, what what did you think of the episode? Uh, is this the like, part where like, I rate number, it? Number, Scale? Num- number it. Yes. Um, I think... Uh, I think it's a solid like seven and a half, eight. It's it's a really good episode. Um, no, you know what? I'm gonna give it a solid eight again because I think it's it's definitely on par with a lot of the more famous episodes, if not better than some. It's definitely like a hidden gem in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's something like a lot of the episodes. I think it's something that people can relate to more so over than when they when they do episodes about uh, interstellar travel or you know Martians coming to the planet or whatever. Um, I think it's definitely something that someone, just the average Joe Schmo can like sit down and watch and be like, oh man, yeah, that was good. Like really resonate. Right. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I give it, uh, I'm going to split it up. I'm going to give it 8.25. Uh, Ooh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. A, a rare rating. <laughs> yes. Uh, because, I'm glad I was here for that. <laughs> uh, because it, it, it is, uh, it is a good episode and that hitchhiker, you know, when he when his face first shows up in that scene, like right in front of the camera, uh, as the, the taillights mm-hmm. are pulling away, like that, it's yeah, it's it's so like, uh, <laughs> like WTF? That guy's nice, but but ah, uh, what are you doing there? <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. <laughs> and because it leaves me with an unsettled feeling at the end, yeah, you know, I that effectiveness really lends it to the eight point two five. I, I get it, man. It's it's good. Uh, interesting bit of trivia. I don't know if you know this. Uh, Nan Adams, when uh, Rod changed from the original male lead to the female, he named the character after his own daughter, Nan. Yeah, yeah. Because Fletcher's like, why do you name it? I mean, I was okay. The change is whatever, but why name her Nan? <laughs> yeah. Like, get over it, Fletcher. Go get a divorce from Bernard <laughs> Herman. Yeah, and go marry some other guy. <laughs> yeah, you know whose name I forget. We we talk about misogyny real quick. Uh, yes, a bit of meta. Is it is it a little bit misogynistic that Rod Serling turned it into a woman when a woman wrote the original story? Is it reverse misogyny then? Yeah. If the woman Lucille wrote a story about a man, Ooh. maybe she figured she couldn't she couldn't sell it because it was a female character and nobody wanted to hear about female problems. I could totally see that being like a thing, you know. Yeah. Well, so so she based the story off of a road trip that she had. So it's it's yes. partially autobiographical. But she's not dead. Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, well, I mean, now she is, but she wasn't then. Yeah. Or was she? Uh, oh, you know what? Yeah. Actually, uh, before we wrap, I, I don't want to <laughs> run any longer, but I have a question for you. Yeah. So you watched the episode. You've seen it a couple of times now. Now yeah. here's the one thing that kept. Uh, kind of running around in my head. So, upon second viewing, we, as you know, people who've watched it already, we know that the main character is already dead. Does that mean that every other person she encounters is in fact dead too? Because if she were dead and she were interacting with living, the lands of the living, how does that work? And how is it that the living are not like, hey, by the way, you're dead? <laughs> uh, well, that. Good question. So, she when she calls up the lady, right? 
uh and she's like hey i'm i'm this lady's daughter like why isn't this lady on the other line saying like no her daughter's dead stop saying that <laughs> you know instead of right instead of like the whole drawn out reveal like oh she's in a mental hospital to say like, right no no nan is dead you can't be nan right right um so to me i think there's two ways of looking at it right is that the people she meets aren't dead and they're just she's like she has a ghost ship and people are like uh like in peewee's big adventure you know <laughs> like it was the worst <laughs> accident i ever saw uh, <laughs> large mark sent you you know so there's that kind <laughs> yeah. of like you could look at it like that like she nan is large marge uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then there's there's the other one that that all these people are dead <laughs> i'm sorry i can't get past nan is large marge <laughs> uh okay i think i'm past it <laughs> uh yeah and then the other obviously is that uh you know people are they're all a lot or they're all dead everyone's dead mm-hmm. which means that you know the 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 gas station attendant who's woken up He's he's a really grouchy ghost, <laughs> so, right? Like, and go sleep. So we figured that out. Yeah. Uh, if, we, if we can take away anything from this episode, <laughs> ghost sleep. Nan is large, Marge. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I'd say it was another successful episode. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, it, it's uh, anything that you want to you talk about uh, any promotional marketing materials from your end, sir. Uh, you know. Let's see. I think uh, we're going to be coming back from our seasonal break for Ring the Bell, which is, you can watch that on GeekAid. Um, go to the YouTube channel, go to geekade.com, check out Ring the Bell if you are interested in pro wrestling, as tackled by a bunch of cynics. <laughs> um, and, and if you dig me, my perspective is, is all over the directing and the uh, editing. Um, other than that, you know, I just have a bunch of projects in the work, and I'm... I'm hopefully going to appear on this uh, podcast again. So by the time that happens, maybe I'll actually have some substantial stuff to promote. <laughs> uh, awesome. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm stoked for whatever you have down the pipe. Uh, Ring the Bell thank is, you, is funny and well-produced. So uh, oh, thank you. You guys, you guys should go check that out if you're into wrestling. And or, you know, even if you're not into wrestling, they, they've got some good, good stuff. Um, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, no problem, man. Thank you for coming on the show. Uh, and, and talking absolute pleasure absolute pleasure man uh for those of you out there who want to get a hold of me you there's a few ways to do that i'm on twitter s4way underscore podcast i am also on facebook you can hit me up on gmail s4waa podcast at gmail.com uh, i mentioned it i didn't mention it two weeks ago but i'm also on instagram submitted for your approval Ooh. um and yeah, iTunes, Stitchers, you don't have to rate me. I mean, I like it, but you don't have to. <laughs> uh, the, the important thing is that, uh, you know, I would love to interact with you guys more. You hit me up at any time. Anytime. I'll get right back with you. Um, and until next time, again, thank you, Matt, for showing up. Once again, thank you for having me. And to the rest of you, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. 